0: everybody, and welcome to Will This Be On The Test? I'm Maddie.
1: And I'm Austin.
0: It's so cold in our recording space. Yeah. There's no vent.
1: And there's just like no insulation either.
0: And it's also, you know, next to the wall with the dead body behind it. So it's probably haunting us. Dead
1: bodies.
0: Or treasure.
1: Or drugs. Are drugs
0: considered treasure? It depends on who you ask, but also if it's drugs, they're, they're probably pretty bad by now. Yeah, it's like 1970s drugs. Does
1: Pot would definitely be bad. Cocaine would just be a solid brick of sadness. With how
0: how humid it is. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. LSD.
1: I don't know. Does LSD denature over time?
0: Or it gets stronger.
1: Oh, I don't know.
0: But like, I'm not messing with any of that. Although the question is then, what do you do? Because like, if you find something in your house and possession is nine tenths of the law and you can't prove the drugs aren't yours... You compost it. <laughs> you have the craziest vegetables the next year. It's like, and it's like,
1: what's up, with your, what's up with your tomatoes, man? They're just not growing right. It's like, I don't know, man. It's pretty far out there. They're though.
0: all star-shaped. This is weird. It's
1: like, I didn't know they did
0: that. This is the point at which we have to say, do not take legal advice from us. Oh, no. no <laughs> it's, I,
1: if you've been listening to us, you should know better than to actually listen to stuff we say, except for the true stuff, which is what we cover.
0: Yep. So there is a false wall in this room. We have not yet looked behind it. And I believe our options are treasure, dead body, or apparently drugs. That one's new.
1: I think also guns. This is America. That's
0: true. That's true. Although, unless like, they're super illegal guns, like they wouldn't wall them in. And I would call the police on those. Yeah. I'd it's... be like, those were definitely used in a crime.
1: Yeah. If I were to find guns, as someone, I'm a gun owner. I know all about gun safety. If I were to find a strange gun on a wall... I would not touch it and I would get like the police or someone to come out and touch it because. You don't know what kind of shape this weapon is in. It could go off and just explode in your hand, literally explode in your hand, if it's just been sitting in a wall for 15 years and it wasn't taken care of.
0: Yeah, this was actually an argument. People in a group of mine got in because a lady found her gun and called the police and they're like, oh, you're so overreacting. You have free guns now. I'm like, you don't know if those drugs were used, those guns were used in a crime. You don't know what shape they're in. You don't know if they're loaded. And if you're like, just if you find a gun, don't touch it. Like I remember being a kid and- um, my parents weren't gun owners, but my dad had a gun that was collateral on a loan and it was never loaded. He never would have let that in the house. And he got me and my brother. I was three and my brother was two, maybe, and he showed it to us and he said, This is called a gun. You have toys that are like this. If you see one, whether or not you think it's a toy, you leave it where it is and you go get a grown up. And I'm like, that's pretty much what you should do if you find a gun in your wall too. Yeah. You leave it where it is and you go get a more grown upy grown up than you are. <laughs>
1: Yep. Unless you are the most grown up, grown up. In that case, uh, it's up to you. You are the shining light that we all depend on.
0: If we're in a spot where either Austin or I are the most grown up, be grown up. We're all in trouble. That has happened to me,
1: and it is really scary. It's like I was like, "Oh shit, someone should do something." And I looked and realized, "Oh shit, I'm someone in this situation."
0: <laughs> it's like I don't mind being the most grown up, grown up when I'm teaching. Although there are times where definitely the kids were better at being grown ups than I was because kids are fucking awesome. But when I'm in a room of adults, far too often, I'm like, why? Not so much these days, but like, why am I, why do I have to be the voice of reason? This is not a good color on me. Can I interest you in a sarcastic comment?
1: Yes, that is, that's definitely our speed. We we don't give advice. Well, we give advice on this podcast, but you shouldn't <laughs> listen to it.
0: Except for the advice I'm going to give at the end of my segment.
1: Ooh, cool.
0: But, um, oh, we got our vaccines. Well, I did.
1: Yeah, Um, I had Weird insurancy issues that I'm probably going to have to yell at someone on the phone over.
0: <laughs> yeah, I um, I think I've mentioned before that I, when I was got my initial round of shots as an infant, I was found to be allergic to the pertussis or whooping cough vaccine. So I didn't get it. And I got whooping cough as a kid. And people are like, oh, it's not that bad. You don't die. I have lifelong problems. So yeah, it's bad. Um, So 10 years ago, my Facebook memories told me that I got, I went in and I sat there in an allergist office for over two hours, got my shot to make an... The allergist was so I wouldn't die. And I did have a reaction for about two days. I was, you know, basically had the flu. But I was like, 10 years, time to do it. Because adults, you do need to get booster shots. And I got both the Tdap and my flu shot and no reactions this time other than a really painful arm. So if you were once deemed allergic to a vaccine, talk to your doctor. Better safe than sorry. And also... If you are an adult, don't forget you need boosters. And if you got the MMR vaccine between about 1961 and 1989, you need to go to your doctor. You need to get a blood test to see if you are actually inoculated against MMR. Did you know that? I did not know
1: that. The more you know. Yeah,
0: this is something our doctor should be telling us. But, you know, I research for a living and I come across vaccines. And from about 61 to 67 or maybe 64 to 67, they were giving the dead virus, which doesn't actually stick. And then from the 70s to the 80s, it was very common for people to not get the full round. Oh, oh,
1: oh, oh, oh. I think you were the one who sent this to me, but it was like someone is dressing up for Halloween as a Karen who didn't vaccinate her kid. <laughs> and she's got a baby Bjorn with a skeleton in it.
0: Yeah. And uh, like that actually came in. I actually was discussing this in that group. <laughs> and some people were like, wait, so I can I might not be allergic to this anymore. I can actually go get it. I'm like, well, don't take medical advice from me. Go talk to your doctor. But for me, it worked. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you were allergic to a vaccine at some point, talk to your doctor. Um, It's not like, uh, what is it you're allergic to? Penicillin. Penicillin, which I'm pretty sure you can't get over that one. Or if I, you can, it's not worth I testing. Haven't,
1: I haven't looked into it. It's like. I just got hives from penicillin and the doctor said, yeah, it'll probably get worse if you keep taking it. Let's give you something else. It's like, cool. So yeah. I, just don't get, I just don't do penicillin now. You know,
0: I've never met a girl who was allergic to penicillin. Huh? Only guys. I mean, I'm sure that's not statistically true. That's just anecdotal, but yeah. I just think that's interesting. Interesting. So yeah, um, but I got my vaccines. Austin's dealing with insurance and he's going to get his flu shot this coming week. Hopefully. Hopefully.
1: It's like, if it comes down to it, I'm just going to pay like the 30 bucks and get it myself.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, go fund me.
1: Yeah. We'll it's start
0: like, we'll start a um it's a, like Austin. A, we'll start a Patreon page so Austin can get vaccinated.
1: No, I'm gonna be doing OnlyFans. You're gonna get <laughs> nipple pictures from me.
0: Um I would like to take this time to point out that Austin's family believes themselves to be a part of Ne Neanderthal. And, yeah. Oh uh, I
1: am hairy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> God, and we could also have that be one of our Patreon levels. The, <laughs> it's like we ever decided to start our Patreon, the OnlyFans level. <laughs> Ew.
1: it's like it's like the only it's like if you guys uh if we hit a Not, our...
0: like if if only is working for you i mean ooh as in, in terms of getting photos of austin's nipples
1: so yeah that's uh that's our patreon stretch goal i guess <laughs> i don't know how patreon works but yeah um you get enough i will do a podcast topless
0: you'll hear the be, hair it'll...
1: rustling <laughs> in the
0: wind so it won't be on video you'll just have to imagine you'll have to
1: listen to it <laughs>
0: As someone who lives with him, yes, you can in fact hear it. Oh man, we're much more awake. I think it's because we're like doing this in the middle of the day for once as opposed to like at night because I've been slacking. Yeah. I mean, because I've been so very busy. Actually, I usually am
1: busy. It's it's funny because it's like, well, I need to finish my research, but I've got two cats in my lap, so I can't move.
0: I think I posted a picture of that. Oh no, I posted the other picture, but for last night I was like, I'm going to go finish my research. And then Fezzik jumped on me. And then Gigi jumped on me. And then I was there for over two hours. Because when that magical event happens, you don't disrupt it, even if your 20 pound cat is lying directly on your knee and bending it in the wrong direction. And now both of your feet are asleep. (laughs) It was so funny. She's like, I need to research. It's like, well, get up. I can't. (laughs) Like, at a point, it got to a point where I literally couldn't because my legs were completely asleep. So uh, this is the episode that's coming out the week of Halloween, which is
1: spooky.
0: our favorite holiday. But sadly, it's uh, for all intents and purposes, it's canceled this year. Uh, Every year we typically host a Halloween party and there's costumes. We do the whole we have a like we have people outside. We do a whole party because I love it. Austin was not a Halloween or holiday person, really. And then I forced him. And we like we always do great costumes. Last time I was Steve Harrington and he was Dustin. We had like fully full gone costumes like I even managed to get the hair.
1: I grew out my
0: hair for this. We
1: made a uh, baseball bat with nails in it.
0: Yeah, like we go whole hog and then this year it's just not possible. But we decided we can still do something for our podcast. Last year we talked about, I talked about uh, poison Halloween candy and how we need to get rid of trunk or treating, which I still stand by.
1: And I talked about uh, how Sherlock Holmes and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle were BFFs about seances until they suddenly weren't.
0: So our initial idea for this one was to find something that's Traditionally considered cute, oh my God. but Did actually oh. has horrific background.
1: I just said Sherlock Holmes and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. It was Harry Houdini yes. and Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. That was a boneheaded maneuver by Austin.
0: I'm, I'm sure leaving it in. You're just thinking of Enola Holmes, I, I think. am. Henry
1: Cavill is a treasure. And I, I guess. The entire cast was yeah, great. Yeah, that was really good.
0: Uh, I think it would have been better served by being a TV mini, a Netflix miniseries as opposed to a movie, though. Yeah. But as I was saying, we, our original plan was to have it be something people think is cute and actually has a dark history. But then we both ended up kind of moving away from that when we started, like, I realized what I was going to do has been covered by a lot of podcasts recently. And
1: and I was trying to find something cute and I just wasn't having luck. So I just discovered, discovered something scary that we probably actually should have learned about.
0: So I think you went first last week. I did
1: go first last so week. So it is
0: me this week. So I do have something that we often think of as cute, but that we often think of as horrifying. Clowns. I actually considered that, but I ended up not going in that direction because uh, I, I clowns freak me out, but not as much as what I'm actually going to be talking about. Dolls. Oh, God, dolls.
1: I was super traumatized by the Child's Play movie as a kid. Like it was one of the movies I saw when I was way too young. And like I've been a little freaked out by toys coming to life ever since. Like everyone else really enjoys Toy Story. It kind of creeps me out
0: child's play is based on a true story very loosely but it is okay (laughs) and okay the weird shit in my house our house started happening when my mom dropped off a box of my childhood dolls i still haven't forgiven her for that but at the same time it's also when we started talking about trying to renovate the area with the hidden wall situation, so it could just be like one or the other, the mix of the two. So who knows? But yeah, I'm talking about dolls today and why we find them creepy, whether or not we should find them creepy, and I'll get a little bit into some stories about these dolls and what to do if you believe you have a haunted doll. And I just realized I forgot to write down questions, so we're gonna have another on the fly one this week.
1: Excellent. Good. I feel like we should always improvise our questions because that way we can start question asking questions about like the bullshit the other person says.
0: Hmm. So by now, you've unquestionably at least seen a commercial for a horror movie or TV show or something that features a scary-ass doll, and you might wonder, it's like, okay, it's a doll, why should we be afraid of it? Well, the horror movie people are obviously telling me this one is scary, so that is one I should be afraid of. Which brings up the question, though, why are people afraid of regular dolls, the ones that are not in the horror movies? And the thing is, people are, and it's especially adults. Kids, I mean, if you know kids, you know that up until a certain age, especially they're like, this is my doll. And the doll's like got flame shooting out of its eyes at you and it's laughing and you're like, um, that doll is haunted. It's like, this is my best friend. So why are we afraid of them? There's... Other than the fact that they're fucking haunted.
1: <laughs> they're, they're tiny and they're adorable. And that means they're hiding something. <laughs>
0: So, believe it or not, our ability to understand faces starts in infancy. And I don't mean like one or two months. They did a study of newborns with a median age of nine minutes. What? Minutes. This is the 70s. Nothing mattered. And they had them kind of like look at different stimuli and see how they followed it with their eyes and their heads. And they found that they, at nine minutes old, were able to recognize human faces as what, I mean, they probably weren't going, that's a human face, but they recognized it as this is something I'm supposed to like. They would show them a picture of a face and they would respond to it much more strongly than they would respond to a picture that was a face, but was blurred. Cool. So at an immediate age of nine minutes, we recognize faces. As existing, And that goes back to my epigenetics episode. There's no fucking reason we should do that. It, it does make some sense. It's like, oh,
1: what is that thing that's trying to feed me? Oh, that's mom. I but should probably be is, able to recognize that as a face.
0: Yes, but nine minutes. They have not been fed. They have yeah. no, they have no form of reference other than like the thing that pulled them out while they were screaming. And that can't be a pleasant. <laughs> Uh, And then in 1997, some super smart neuroscientists did a study where they did fMRIs on 15 people and found that their brains were much more reactive when looking at faces than at any other objects, including faces that were like, they were more interested in faces that were partially covered. So where you couldn't see the whole thing than they were to pictures of hands. So whether or not it's a whole face doesn't matter. Their brains react more to seeing a face than to anything else, any other body part, any other object in 2010, Talia Wheatley and Christine E. Lucer wrote a paper published in Psychological Science. Oh, I'm not reading my sources today. I'm going to have Austin put them in the uh, show notes because there are, A, a lot, and B, a lot of them are very scientific research studies. And no, I am not here to tell you, you shouldn't be afraid of dolls because you should. But I'm going to give you some reasons why you might not need to be. And that's science. This paper was called The Tipping Point of Animacy, How, When, and Where We Perceive Life in a Face. So animacy means sentience, more or less, like the ability to reason and think and have feelings. In this paper, they say there must be a place at which our brains go, oh, that's not a person. There's nothing to worry about. And they said, quote, even as graphic representations of faces have become increasingly lifelike, they have failed to fool observers into thinking they are alive, unquote. And then they went on to rightly insult the movies Beowulf and Polar Express.
1: Those dead, those dead dead Zuckerberg eyes.
0: Exactly. They were. They quoted a New York Times article that said, you see the cladding, but not the soul. So if you remember when those movies came out, they were like, every audience, every reviewer was like, yeah, I can see the merit, but I was so uncomfortable the whole time. Something about things not looking quite right set off these primitive alarm bells in their bodies their brains so for the study they showed 20 faces of statues or dolls morphed into similar human faces so like there were steps along the way it's like this is fully doll statue this is fully human and they kind of morphed them along the way they showed them in a random order and they found that like the eyes and the mouth were how you could tell if something was real or fake especially the eyes the eyes were most likely to indicate animacy Sentience. We are required evolutionarily to be able to tell the difference between animate and inanimate objects so that we can determine how much of a threat things are. Uh, think of all the times you've heard stories of people finding freshly dead bodies or having family members who are brain dead and they're saying things like they're there, but they're not there. You're able to tell, even though this the form still appears alive, and in the case of brain dead, they you might still see signs of like breathing and things like that. You can tell, likely from the eyes, that the sentience is gone. There is no animacy left. And then we also have the uncanny valley, which is the theory, um, uh, quote, the theory of the uncanny valley posits that people experience a pleasurable sense of familiarity when objects possess lifelike features. For example, a pet rock is cuter than a plain rock. This pleasure increases as the features become more and more lifelike until the human likeness becomes too close or the object becomes uncanny. At this point, the pleasure is replaced by revulsion and eeriness. This is from that same study. Uh, Going on to say that several participants in this study found the pictures unsettling or creepy at a certain point. Prior to her study, most studies of animacy had been focused on physical movement. This one did not. She was able to show that people are generally able to tell if something is alive or not based solely on the faces without any move, movement whatsoever. They also looked at noses and skin and found that those really didn't help. Um, <laughs> noses, I'm sorry. You noses, run around, no nose, no skin, but damn, they got eyes. It's like... So she was like, okay, this deserves more study. So she did a follow-up. Uh, this is Wheatley. There's a lot right now on social media. I'm sure you've seen it. Can you hear my eye roll? Um, About periodolia. I should have looked up how to pronounce it, which is basically when you can see faces and things. And the eye roll is not because that's not real. It's because people act like it's this unique thing for individuals when actually it's weird if you can't in terms of psychology, not that you're weird. It's just as an evolutionary thing, most people can see faces in things that don't have faces. And in a paper called Mind Perception, Real But Not Artificial Faces Sustained... Neural activity beyond the N170 slash VPP. I told you guys. I I did some science for you. What? They argue that this is basically a way to alert us to potential dangers. We, when we rec- we see something, our brain goes, face! And then we are able to tell very, very quickly, within milliseconds, about whether or not this is actually a face. And uh, to quote them, the cost of a missed stimulus is higher than the cost of a false alarm. So that moment of surprise or even like startling is better than not having that moment and having it actually be, you know, a clown with a knife in your closet. We're, we're in a closet, Austin. Just had to look around.
1: Yeah. Well, you 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 look you looked behind me when you said that and I was worried there was a clown with a knife <sighs> behind me.
0: I would never let a clown into this house.
1: I mean, you don't have to invite clowns in. They're not like vampires. Clowns can just come in anytime. No invitation needed.
0: I have a legitimately traumatic experience with a clown, which is why like why I hate them so much. <laughs> so <laughs> my fifth birthday, the clown we had, she was sick and tried to cancel. My mom yelled at her until she came in. There was no backup. She had 20 plus five-year-olds coming over, and this girl did not have a backup clown for her. There was, for some reason, a giant like, horse wagon situation that we had to pull. I don't know. And we weren't pulling it right, so this clown looked at me, and she spent the whole night like yelling at everybody, she didn't feel good, and I understand that part, but they're five. And then she got in my face and said, if you don't pull better, I'm going to make you put the rope in your mouth and pull that way.
1: That's not a very good
0: clown. No, so you can kind of see why I don't like clowns. Yes. like, And that's actually one of the things that I'd let, I ended up cutting out of this. All it takes is one traumatic experience to make you afraid of dolls. Oh, okay. And it doesn't have to be the doll yelled at you. It could be something as simple as, you know, your sibling told you your dolls come alive at night and like are going to kill you. That could be considered a trauma given but based on your age, it could be something traumatic happened with a doll in the room like and you were just staring at the doll while the trauma happened, whatever. Anyway. So, you're probably sitting here like listeners and going, "Yeah, that's great and everything, but what does this fucking have to do with dolls?" You told me about dolls. We're talking about the uncanny valley. Well, for this study, they showed their participants 60 pictures, 20 of human faces, 20 of doll faces, and 20 of clock faces. They had sensors attached to their brains through a hat, not through like, they didn't stick things in their brains, which is unfortunate because like, that's how you get real science done.
1: Yep. That's, that's true. That's why we're not allowed to do science anymore here.
0: Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I mean, ever since Hannibal Lecter cut that dude's head open and was eating it while he was still alive, like he ruined it for rest of us. He
1: even shared. Sharing's he important.
0: shared That moment in that movie is forever seared into my brain. I remember nothing else about that movie. uh,
1: His brain is also seared.
0: No, I think he was eating... Well, there was cooked part, but he was also eating some of it raw, I think. I think so. No, like, I remember, like, I love Silence of the Lambs. This was the other one.
1: Uh, Hannibal? Hannibal.
0: Yeah but not the TV series. And that moment, nothing else from the movie stuck, but that moment stuck. Anyway, they had their sensors attached and they were shown pictures for 1,000 milliseconds. They found that human and doll faces resulted in more or less the exact same early brain activity when they were first seen. Clocks did not. But the brain activity lessened with dolls the longer they looked and stayed relatively the same with humans. So at first glance, we can't tell the difference between a human and a doll. Oh, good. So they theorize that this might be us perceiving animacy in in things that are not animate. In an interview with Vice, Wheatley, who did both of these studies, explains that dolls are giving our brains information that this thing should be alive, but isn't. And to quote her, that juxtaposition is really creepy. So her study was not to determine the creep factor of dolls. It was to determine how well our brains can tell things are alive versus things that aren't. But she recognizes, like, there's something about these doll faces that inherently scares us because we're getting information that this is a face. This should be a person. We should be able to interact with it. Why is it just staring at me? What is it thinking? What is it going to do? And I'm gonna get into that a little bit more in a couple of minutes.
1: Oh man, there is. Um, I work at the library, and there is a doll collecting magazine <sighs> that we have. And like, I will walk by like where where we keep the magazines, and I'll see it just looking at me. And there are some messed up dolls on the cover of this thing. Yes,
0: I I used to work in a bookstore, and we had magazines like that. The weirdest sale I ever made in my life was uh, not a doll magazine, but a toy magazine. And okay, I'll tell you straight up, your bookstore employee is not judging you if you're buying porn unless you're doing something else creepy. Like, we don't care that you're buying porn. It is creepy, though, when you try to cover up the fact that you're buying porn By also buying a vintage toys magazine. Like, he had a vintage toys magazine covering up the porn like I wouldn't notice he was buying porn and think he was just buying innocent children's stuff, which did not make me feel great.
1: This guy knows what he's about. He's about collecting vintage toys and staring at tits. And
0: if that's what you're into, you do you. But maybe buy those separately or put the porn on top. That's less creepy to me. Yeah, At least he's not like out there
1: collecting naked women. Prove it. Ooh. Okay.
0: No, it's like, you know how they say, like, everybody's going to walk past, you know, something like three murderers or something in their life. I think it's way higher, but I think it's even higher than that if you work in food service or retail. Not saying that guy was a murderer. I'm just saying that was a weird ass sale. So now I'm talking about this girl, woman named Stephanie Lay, who studies the Uncanny Valley. She's got a website called uncanny slash valley.co.uk, which has a gallery of the uncanny. And I highly, if you want to be fucked up a little bit, look at the gallery of the uncanny. They've got stuff that is supposed to be uncanny on there, but then they have pictures of toddlers and tiaras kids and they're so airbrushed and their eyes look dead. It's It's scarier than anything else on there. So she has a bunch of original studies on her page. In one study, she presented a series of morphed faces like the previous one, which was animals, dolls, robots, and statues combined with humans to different extent. And she found, because she thought that it would be higher, like when humans and and these other objects morphed at like 75% the other thing and 25% human, it would feel creepy. It was actually at 50%. You start being able to tell that something's not quite right. When it's halfway between something that's human and something that's not. In that Vice article, she said, quote, The things I found triggered that sense of unease most, most strongly, were those faces where you've got an expression in the mouth and in the eyes that were incongruent. The creepiest ones were when you have a happy, smiling mouth and eyes that are angry or frightened. It's like the captain in How I Met Your Mother. Yes. Who our fish is named after because he does that face.
1: It's true. We have a beta who is very angry face. But he's
0: so happy. But he's so happy. So, yeah, when you see these dead or angry eyes combined with this friendly smile you immediately feel unsettled like we met a doctor like that and we both left the office like never going back to that doctor oh, again no. and she didn't say anything that was weird but it was just did you notice the eyes and the mouth didn't match uh-huh so we're finding a new doctor uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah uh sociopaths out there learn to smize watch some uh, america's next top model she'll teach you Oh, yes.
1: Yes. Tyra is exactly the person (laughs) you want teaching you not to be a sociopath. Yes.
0: Now, it's worth... um, Oh, all of this has been replicated, too. They have proven that about 50% between human and non-human is when you get creeped out. And eyes and mouth mismatch is what creeps you out the most. So it's worth noting that all these studies were done on adults. And this is because we know that adults are way more likely to be creeped out by dolls than kids are. So if your kid under the age of nine is afraid of their doll, assume the doll is haunted. Call a priest or a rabbi or paranormal group. That goat, that doll is fucking haunted and out to get you because they have actually studied this and they are developmentally not able to understand the uncanny valley until about age nine, which is why kids are cool with Polar Express because they don't look at it and see anything wrong. Uh... It's theorized that prior to that age, they're struggling to understand that people other than them are capable of independent thought and feeling. Basically, you don't develop empathy until sometime between 7 and 10, usually, with a median age of 9. Not median. Mean.
1: Yes. Mean age of 9. The mean age of 9. Yeah.
0: mean. Mean mean means uh, average, and median means the exact middle number. I have to get that clarified. Like I have to get that correct a lot because I'm a researcher and a writer, and I have to make sure I know which one I'm talking about um they also think it could be because kids under about the age of nine think that yeah robots obviously can think and feel like we can they don't see a reason why robots shouldn't be able to do these things so or they're dolls so it's not weird to them that these things don't quite look right because that's people look different and these are just people who look different than me and then they get to nine and are like whoa what the actual fuck and they studied these these ones up until about age 17 and found that the older they got, the creepier things got when it came to anything remotely related to the Uncanny Valley. They also found that, like, as you got older, your creep factor went up with things that looked human and went down with things that didn't, like things that looked like robots. You're like, it didn't go down by a lot. You're like, yeah, it's kind of creepy because it's trying to talk to me and shit. But it didn't freak people out and it freaked them out less and less as they got older and they understood, oh, it's just a robot. And these scientists also think that we will never fully get over the uncanny valley. So no matter how good of a job these CGI artists do or how much good of a job these animatronics artists do, our brains will always be one step ahead. They will just continue to evolve because we need to know what's a threat and what's not but proved to me that these robots will not be threats. Proved to me that that Chuck E. Cheese that's singing is not trying to kill me.
1: Oh, it's definitely trying to kill There's actually an entire video game series all about that Chuck E. Cheese robot trying to kill you.
0: Wasn't that there is... a movie that we watched recently that was that too? Not recently, a year ago or so?
1: I mean, probably.
0: We watch a lot of horror movies. We love our horror movies. Yeah. Oh,
1: I love this yeah, season. Like, like this year, like if Halloween was happening, we would ab- I would absolutely be dressed up as a bear and she would be covered in flowers like it was <laughs> midsummer.
0: So the ability to feel empathy may be a major factor in whether or not you find dolls creepy. So if you are unable to feel empathy, you might never have any dolls that make you feel unsettled. Now, not being unsettled by dolls does not necessarily mean you're unable to feel empathy, but I'd be interested to see a study in like sociopaths versus non-sociopaths and their creep factor with Uncanny Valley and dolls. So empathy, major factor... This is interesting to me, though, because you're able to discern faces from non-faces from nine minutes old, so shouldn't you think that something's a little weird? So if you're able to tell what's a face and what's not from nine minutes old, why does it take nine more years to be able to tell something's not quite right with Sally the doll, you know? Most of this research has been done about robots or images of human-like things being blended with humans. Not much research has actually been done on why dolls scare us. I think it's because psychologists are smart enough to be afraid of dolls because they haunt it. They are out to get you. So there is an actual phobia, though, as there is for pretty much everything, called pediophobia, which, yes, translates to fear of little children, literally. The fear of actual children is pedophobia, as you might imagine. So and it comes, I think this is a good one because dolls typically smaller than children. So for it to be fear of little children makes sense. Yeah. And I doubt there's a Latin word for doll so much.
1: There might be. I just don't know. Or if Latin. Greek
0: word. Because dolls are actually like the oldest dolls we found are about 4,000 years old. And it's kind of a gray area. They think most cultures had them, but I'll get into that more. So it makes sense in the, in the way that yeah, it makes sense that we'd be afraid of dolls in horror movies because we're supposed to be. Just like you're supposed to be afraid of Freddy or Jason or
1: Michael Myers, Michael
0: Myers, or the, or Texas the nun chainsaw Massacre. or the chainsaw Massacre, like any of that. But what about those that aren't part of a horror story? So we're getting out of the science. We've got one little bit of science left, and this is where we start getting into dolls in the science, and then we get into the real shit, you know, the haunted shit. Stephanie Lay, who I mentioned earlier, got more into dolls in her studies, saying that she thinks we'll become more comfortable with human-like robots. Because you know how we're talking about, like, you know, old people are lonely. We should give them these automatons. And have you seen them? They're fucking terrifying.
1: I like the ones where they've decided, like, we're just not going to make them look like people. We're just going to make them look like anything else.
0: Yeah. And we are, like, trained to be afraid of the things that don't, that look human but aren't. She thinks, though, that we will get more comfortable with those. They'll become normalized. We will not get more comfortable with dolls. Saying, quote, the qualities that dolls have are subtly different because they're static representations of human babies. I think there is something inherently creepy about this stillness. Now, you might be saying, but there are dolls that move. Yeah, do they move right?
1: No, no.
0: They don't move right. That's also why ventriloquist dummies are creepy. They're talking and you can't see the mouth moving and it's like a fucking wood moving up and back up and down and it's... We've all seen those episodes of Buffy and Angel. We've seen them.
1: And there's that entire movie where the bad guys of ventriloquist ghost. I don't know what that is. It's... You would actually love this movie. I'll
0: see if we can find it. Okay. <laughs> Um, so a study done for the journal New Ideas in Psychology in 2016 was about creepiness, like the concept of creepiness. It involved 1,341 people from around the world. And this article is fucking fascinating. Like, I, if you like psychology, read this article. It is called On the Nature of Creepiness. And it is by Francis T. McAndrew and Sarah S. Konke, K-O-E-H-N-K-E. I highly recommend it if any of this is interesting to you. It's worth noting they were focusing on what makes humans creepy, but I told you something about this would come back. Like the staring, I told you would come back. They weren't looking at what makes dolls creepy, but I think that the two things apply. And McAndrews actually answered some questions later. I called him up. We're besties now. Okay. It definitely wasn't me just taking from an article. They asked what occupations people found creepiest, for instance. Clowns. They found clowns to be the creepiest uh, career, followed by taxidermists. At the bottom of the list of careers that was on the list, but still, some people found it the creepiest: meteorologist. Oh. Mm-hmm. They also found that collecting dolls is considered one of the creepiest hobbies. I didn't. Des- I decided to not get into the real babies, like the baby born, uh, whatever they're called. Oh god, those are the. And because there's just so much that goes into the psychology of that, and why some people are afraid of them, and why some people need them, and on they scare the shit out of me because they're too real. But we'll get into why that's an issue too. But I also understand, like, if it's working for people, if it's helping you do it, just don't make me babysit it because it scares me. Now, so this is my interpretation, not theirs. But there are a couple of things that stood out to me that they applied to humans that I think apply to dolls. The thing people found creepiest when it came to watching a friend interact with a stranger Was when that person, that stranger, watches them before they come up to talk to them. So seeing them staring at your friend is the creepiest thing they can do. This was creepier than repeatedly touching your friend. This was creepier, like, it was barely what I believe it was, creepier than making sexual comments. It was the staring.
1: Oh, so this is just every time I've seen someone try and interact with a woman in a game store.
0: Yes. And women... Like this is scientifically studied. Women find uh, the the creepiest thing on earth to women is men. They did look at some of them and the uh, creepy. I'm just
1: nodding my head. It's
0: like yeah, the makes creepiest sense. thing a man can do is stare at them. So what are dolls doing? Staring. Staring, and they don't even fucking blink. There are dolls that blink, and that's even worse if you ask me. But that's actually one of the things that's reported most often in cases of haunted haunted dolls is I saw it blink, or I saw its eyes move. Its eyes were following me. Eyes, man, eyes. Uh, They also found it creepy when someone shows little emotion during interactions. And what do dolls do?
1: They show very little emotion. Unless
0: something's gone real wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Their final deduction from the study is that we are creeped out when situations are ambiguous. Like, we would not call a situation that we know is going to end badly. Like, someone's got a knife to your throat. You're not feeling creeped out. Because you know, either I'm going to die or I'm not. This isn't ambiguous. But is that guy staring creepily because he's a rapist and a murderer or just because he's uncomfortable or is he just staring into space? I don't know what's going to happen. That's what freaks us out is when we don't know what the end result is going to be of a certain, certain situation. And you don't know what that fucking doll is thinking, but it's definitely thinking. It's thinking. So McAndrew was asked about dolls specifically for Smithsonian Magazine. He said, quote, we shouldn't be afraid of a little piece of plastic, but it is sending out social signals. They look like people, but aren't people. So we don't know how to respond to it, just like we don't know how to respond when we don't know whether there is a danger or not. The world in which we evolved how we process information, there weren't things like dolls. So we evolved these abilities before we had dolls. He did also say, just to be clear, because I don't want to misrepresent him, that these can be positive or negative. We can also have a positive reaction to this type of ambiguity from the doll, because we associate it with something positive in our past, or we aren't old enough to be creeped out.
1: Yes, I had a... uh, My family was very emotionally detached, and they just stared, and these dolls bring me comfort.
0: Austin's family is that creepy family from Insidious. Like, we can't go in our basement because they're just down there smiling.
1: Oh, no, no. my My family is much, much more like the family in Hereditary. Oh, God.
0: <laughs> I didn't like that movie, and I know I'm in the minority, but there uh, was like there was too much happening.
1: Oh god, it had such a great start, mm-hmm. and then it just kind of petered out. Then it just cranked. Well, it, it had up a great start,
0: and it had a great ending, but it was two different movies.
1: Yeah, it just kind of like it was. Yeah, <laughs> the middle needed a lot of work.
0: Yes. Um, so, despite the fact that dolls have pretty much always been a part of fully modern humanity, not contemporary humanity, but modern humanity. Dolls have always been around since our, I think the oldest one they said they found was dated at 4,000 years, but they found some like from ancient Egypt and all this. We And there are no cultural boundaries. They have found dolls in every type of culture or something that appears to be a doll. So why are we scared of them if they've always been part of our human experience? We weren't. We did this to ourselves. We did? In the 18th and 19th centuries, yes, we people love to blame movies. Doll makers especially love to blame movies for doing this to their industry. We did it to ourselves. Because before this, dolls didn't really have faces. They didn't necessarily even look like people. They were just kind of a little thing that your kid carried. And there was this really interesting theory about how dolls without faces, dolls without much to them, were how humans adult human adults viewed children as just unfinished. And then as they got older, they played with their dolls less, but they became more finished. But in the 18th or 19th century, they started making dolls that looked realistic. They started making dolls in the early 1900s that could close their eyes. So they'd be able to lay the baby doll down and it would shut its eyes and it would be asleep. And unless you're Austin, it's not normal for something to lie down and immediately be asleep.
1: I'm just talented. It's my one talent.
0: So dolls were looking more like us. They are behaving in ways that were kind of like us, but weren't quite right. And at the same time, early 1900s, automata, automata, which are toys that move, were becoming popular. So everything that didn't used to be alive is suddenly alive around the age of around 1900. Stories about creepy dolls started being re- written in the mid to late 1800s as well. But they start tended to focus on the idea that the person who made the dolls was evil and not the doll itself. The doll did bad things at the beginning of be, uh, at the, at the, bidding, the yep. bidding of its maker. Which does leak into a lot of our pop culture even now. Um, and also, who the hell is making our dolls? Like, if you have a Barbie, you're probably not going to be too scared of it. But if you get this nice, beautiful porcelain doll that was handmade and you don't know who made it, what was their intention?
1: What, Evil. What
0: did they put inside this doll?
1: They put Annabelle inside of it.
0: Just like if you were to get like some somebody made you a doll at Build-A-Bear and, you know, you just make a wish and hug the heart and kiss it and then put it in there. You don't know what they wished for.
1: I think you just wrote a great horror story and Build-A-Bear <laughs> is going to be so mad at us. <laughs> Build-A-Bear, man. It's like, malls are already struggling. Do you want to you wish this evil on Build-A-Bear? I actually
0: like Build-A-Bear. I've never been. I've been a few times. It's fun. So we got into the 20th century and dolls became more and more like- lifelike. When we call someone a chatty Cathy, it's actually a reference to a doll that talked like it could talk and talk and talk and talk. And that was brought into an episode of Twilight Zone as Talky Tina where she was like, "You better be nice to me."
1: Oh, she's making a creepy face and I don't like it.
0: I love Twilight Zone.
1: Twilight Zone's good. Like they've got
0: they've got that figured out. And like even though that show is like from the 50s and 60s, they got that creep factor that it aged well. Like you you can still be creeped out by this show. Oh yeah. So, and additionally, unless dolls are personally perfectly maintained, they don't do well as they get older. They start to crack. Their colors start to fade. The parts that were supposed to move, like their eyes, stop moving. So, it's like they're dying or they're already dead, but they're still in your house and staring at you. And, I mean, I'm sure you have things, like, from your childhood, especially if they were, like, handed down to you, that you don't want, but you feel bad about getting rid of. Yeah. Dolls. Mm-hmm. Dolls are that. And it's not just dolls that look like children that scare people. Adul- ones that look like adults also can as well, especially if they look hyper-realistic. Like if everything, eyes and nose, mouth are proportional, they look a little too real. So it's not just little kid dolls. It's dolls in general. It just depends on how the level of realism is. Um, so at this point, I did turn my Google search away from the science of why we're afraid of dolls to why do ghosts like dolls? We've had too much science. I've talked for a very long time about science. You all probably hate me now. And especially because I believe dolls are real. And are... <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, that is a brave claim it on this really podcast. Is. It really is.
1: You heard it here first, folks.
0: Maddie 2024, she believes dolls are real. Vote for her for president.
1: <laughs> that is way more honest than the current president has ever been.
0: I believe that dolls can, in fact, be haunted, is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince you otherwise. But they're, like I've said, whenever I talk about ghost stuff, Get rid of every other explanation first or you sound fucking nuts. Like, I'm in a lot of paranormal groups on Facebook because I believe in ghosts. And some of them I'm like, really? Give me three seconds and I'll have this explained for you. But I'm the party pooper. Like, all of the
1: people, it's like, I've been hearing this strange noise. It's like, you live in an apartment. Everything's a strange noise.
0: I keep smelling Mexican food. Yeah, there's a Mexican family living beneath you. It's like, you...
1: There's a Taco Bell. We can see the Taco Bell.
0: Like I live in an apartment complex that constantly smelled like Indian food because all of my neighbors were Indian. The only time it didn't smell like Indian food was when it smelled like garbage because our only non-Indian neighbors, the white ones, refused to admit that the, car- the apartment complex had re- had stopped taking trash out of the hallways and just put their trash out there. And it had diapers in it. Ugh, they were gross. the worst. So, I've d- so it's time to get away from the science and deal with reality. And the reality is of haunted dolls, because dolls are there to kill you. Interestingly, one of the first that results that popped up was Catholic.com, as in the religion, answering the questions, can objects be possessed by demons? Can dream catchers carry demons? And is there biblical evidence for this? Now, being raised Catholic and having a Sunday school teacher specifically warn us away from dolls that we can project emotions onto, he was specifically talking about worry dolls. And then he said all Mexicans are going to hell because of worry dolls. And then he proceeded to give us each a worry doll. This dude might have not been safe to be around children.
1: No. No, I mean... With, with hindsight being what it is and like all of the news about the Catholic Church for the last 30 years, maybe he wasn't.
0: I remember leaving that, I'm holding this worry doll that he gave me, and I remember thinking, aren't most Mexicans Catholic? Followed by, How is? why did he give me a doll that's going to send me to hell? Followed by, I'm going to project my worries onto this doll. Thanks for the new tip.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that lesson went perfectly for that guy.
0: I will say, though, one of the places I attended does have a priest that ended up on the list. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, they published the list for that area, and he was on it, but he's already dead. Anyway, that's let's bring it back to the-
1: Let's get back, let's back to bring, Haunted Dolls, the more comfortable topic. Yeah.
0: So this website's answer was interesting. They said that only people can be possessed, but objects can be controlled by curses, uh, by demons. They said that demons can attach themselves to objects. Now, to make this kind of clear, because that can sound like possession- There are various stages to possession. I'm not going to get into all of them, but the first step is infestation. Infestation is when they enter your area, your home, your objects, but they're not actually possessing them. They're just kind of making shit happen. Possession is actually the final step. Like a lot of stuff has happened before you end up possessed. So your doll may not actually have something in it if you follow Catholicism, but something controlling it. So your doll can be haunted, but it's not the actual doll that's doing the haunting. Others who study this think that it's not so much that there is a ghost or a demon, but there's an energy attached to it. So like a doll that was really loved could have leftover energy from that person still on it. Ka- uh, Karen Frazier, who's a paranormal investigator in Washington, and she reports for a website called Paranormal Underground, says basically that these are residual hauntings. Like if you died and you wanted to be like, I really like that chair, I'm going to hang out that chair. That's just where your energy is going to be. It's not actually you. It's not actually sentient. And she believes that's what happens in most cases of haunted dolls, especially because if you knew the person that died, you really want them to be there. Uh, John Zaffis, who runs the Museum of the Paranormal, and he has that TV show that's like Haunted Objects. And I've met him and we talked about the haunting. He did a thing about the haunting of Connecticut house and then looked at pictures of my house and was like, holy shit, that place is haunted because it was. He thinks that it's energy like she does, but he thinks it's intentional energy. These his haunted objects were typically used in rituals or in spells. And this energy was put there on purpose. Uh, And we also can't discount this one thing, though, that I kind of lean towards thinking that it makes the doll haunted because this is intelligent. EVPs electronic voice phenomena. EVPs in the most basic sense are recordings of ghostly sounds that you can't otherwise hear, but they also include the ability for ghosts or spirits or demons to communicate via electronics themselves. So like we watch, you know, BuzzFeed Unsolved and they've got that awful radio thing that I don't believe at all, but they also have like the Oculus thing that I, mm-hmm. which is also kind of the same, but not, and it's better. And then we have our TARDIS yeah. It's like, so the idea is that they can communicate using electronics. It gives them some, an additional boost of energy and what something some dolls can do.
1: They've got electronics in them and they can they can talk and they.
0: Yes. So I think that that's evidence that if a do- either your house is haunted or your doll is haunted, if it's like my fucking Furby that I had and then suddenly wakes up, screams, play, starts rocking back and forth and then begins screeching like a fucking demon. And I have to beat it to death on the bedpost. You're intense. This really happened. I know. And you're very intense. It was scary. <laughs> like I'm sitting there with my friend and this thing was dead, dead. Like it hadn't been on in months, month and it just wakes up across the room and she knew my house was haunted. So it was fine. Like, but we will watch it for a second. And then I try. I tried to open, I tried to do it the right way and I couldn't get it open. So I had to beat it to death. <laughs> um, and then others do think that lost spirits go into dolls because they are the closest thing they can get to being human without possessing a person. And dolls are so loved in so many cases. They get carried around. They get talked to. It's the closest you can get to being human. And so it makes a logical space for a haunted uh, ghost to go. And then, of course, there's also confirmation bias. If somebody told you, this doll is haunted, here you go, you're more likely to assume it's haunted. There have been dozens of podcasts that have covered individual haunted dolls. And uh, and that's why we drink does some good ones. So I'm not going to get into them too deeply, but I'd be remiss if I didn't mention some of them. Obviously, there's Annabelle, which I'm not going to get into. You've seen the movie. Then there's Robert the Doll who inspired the Child's Play, or Chucky, series. You know Robert. Yeah, you've told me about Robert. He's a life-size doll who was either given to a kid by his grandfather or the family's mistreated, mistreated maid who practiced voodoo, depending on which story you go with. He did have a lot of dark things happen. If you go to his museum and piss him off, you will have misfortune when you get home. People write apology letters to him. Then there's Mandy the doll in the Quesnel Museum in Canada. She has to be kept in her own display case because she knocks over the other dolls. Uh, cameras fail when taking pictures of her and the woman who gave her to the museum just needed the crying to stop. This doll's not supposed to cry. Oh, I don't like this. And then I'm going to show you a picture of this one once we're done. Okay. Uh, This is Ruby the doll. My heart stopped when I saw this photo. I had never heard the story. I saw the photo before I read it. She's part of the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult, which yes, we need to figure out where they're going and go see them. I'd never actually heard of her. Supposedly a person died while holding her, not because of her, just while holding her. And she has passed down through the family, and she would just start like ending up in different rooms, like taking herself there. And people say when they see her or when they picked her up, they would feel sad and nauseous. And like when people see her at the museum, they feel like sorrow. Now I don't know if that's exactly what I felt, but damn, I immediately got anxious and wanted to get that picture off my screen. And I'm going to show it to you in a minute.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: But then there's my favorite, and you've heard of this one, I think. Okiku. Okiku. Okiku was given to a little two-year-old girl by her 17-year-old brother. He saw this doll and he was like, I have to get that doll for Okiku because that was his sister's name. And he spent like literally the last of his money and bought her this doll and he brought it home and she loved it so much. It went everywhere with her. She would feed it. She would talk to it. She'd brush its hair. This was her thing. And then a year later, she died of yellow fever while holding the doll. Like that was like the last thing she had. The family tried to bury her with the doll. The Japanese government and some religious people said, no, you can't bury her with the doll. So they put the doll in the shrine that they keep in her in their house in her memory, which is a very normal thing in that culture to have a shrine. And then they started noticing that the hair was growing. She had the shoulder length hair and it was neat and perfect. Like, you know what kind of hair I'm talking about it was that traditional cut is her growing and kind of changing color and texture. And then they started having nightmares about her. And then she started like showing up in other rooms and her hair kept growing the whole time. They brought in some local spiritual leaders and shaman and they were like, oh yeah, um, Okiku's spirit is trapped in this doll. And the doll was named Okiku when when she was alive too. She named it after herself. So did Robert, the doll's owner, by the way. So the family ended up having to move, not because of the doll, just having to move. And they gave the doll to a local temple because they were afraid that Okiku would get kicked out of the doll if they brought it with them and it was too far away from her grave. And they didn't want her spirit to get lost, which I respect. So, because they wanted to take her and they, they couldn't. So she's in a temple now and being cared for by these priests, and her hair is still growing. You can see like pictures of this. And they keep her in a shrine, they brush her hair, they trim her hair, they send her hair off to be studied by scientists and discover its child's hair, you know, things like that. Oh, that's that's great. Yep, and uh, she also has been like people who go visit. They don't really know if it's a hallucination or what, but they're they're saying things like she opens her mouth and shows them her teeth. But apparently, overall, she's very happy there. Like she, the priest she doesn't like gets nightmares and stuff. But you know,
1: oh cool. Well, I I know where we're going when we visit uh, Japan. She's
0: my favorite because like I fully believe that story. Like why like <laughs> we watched uh, the unsolved mysteries the series and they had that a Buddhist priest come on, and I was like, I trust him. So there are literally dozens of others. Like, I was sitting there watching videos of haunted dolls doing stuff. So what should you do if you think your doll is haunted? I told you I'd help you.
1: Barbecue pit.
0: Well, step one is rule everything else out. Is someone moving it, like your wife or your husband, like Austin and I did when I playing <laughs> got That's these right. dolls? We were,
1: uh, we were moving these dolls around, and like she was doing it, and I just didn't notice it for a long time. That's like
0: It was really slow. I was doing it slow on purpose, kind of like the background stuff in horror movies.
1: Yeah. It's like, have you been moving these dolls? And she couldn't keep her face. No,
0: I started laughing. Those dolls actually, those dolls don't creep me out. And I think it's because they don't have faces.
1: That's exactly why they creep
0: me out. Um, did someone tell you that the go- that the doll was haunted? Is the table the doll is on unstable so it keeps moving? Is, like, is there something else that could be going on? Two, determine if it's your object or your house. Like, my Furby was not haunted. That house was haunted. Our TARDIS is not haunted. Our house is Haunted. So breaking that Furby didn't make the ghost go away. <laughs> Taking out the battery in the TARDIS doesn't make the ghost go away. They're just going to find a new way to talk to us now. And in the case of my go- ghost with the Furby, it meant throwing me out of my bed. The TARDIS ghost seems chill. Then three, get help. A lot of people will tell you to go like just cleanse it or whatever. Yet yeah, do that unless you're trained. Don't fucking do that. Like it's different from a house blessing. Like you move into a new place, you cleanse the air, you get the old energy out. That's one thing. But like there's a funky ghost in my house. Get a professional to come in and cleanse your space. Almost every culture has their version of saging. Basically, it's a mixture of herbs, doesn't have to be sage. The point is, you have to believe in it. And, like, I could sit there and burn, like, a whole bunch of, like, regular grass, probably, and as long as I really believed that it would cleanse. But get a professional because you don't want to just piss it off.
1: Professional cleanings, folks.
0: Yeah. And then, four, get rid of it. This is tough because we all know the stories of somebody threw away the doll and then the doll showed back up and they threw it away. There's an Elsa doll like from Frozen that did this repeatedly. Um, we also have people who... They just
1: couldn't let it go. Yes. And
0: then there's also, you know, people try to burn them. They don't burn, they don't melt, or they just come back fine, or they come back on fire and pissed. Uh, oh, just as a side note, Ouija boards don't burn, and that's because of the coating. It's not because they are haunted. <laughs> now, I'm not saying your Ouija boards not haunted. I'm saying it's not burning because of the coating on it. Like, entire houses have burned down, and Ouija boards have been left. I don't know why it's not their other board games. That's a little weird. What do you think... What if that
1: entire space is just filled floor to ceiling with Ouija boards?
0: You want to fireproof your house? Just nothing but Ouija boards. Yeah.
1: Build your house out of Ouija boards, folks. It's
0: like your best bet really is to bring in a professional again and be like, hey, take this fucking doll and they'll be like, cool. Or they'll be like, no, get that away from me. Go like bathe in holy water.
1: I don't know. Give it to a... Um, this is an, eth- an unethical life pro tip that we read, but it's like, if you have a haunted or cursed object, give it to a baby.
0: <laughs> you just hand anything you want to a baby.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like oh, yeah, this is a doll. Yeah. Here, your baby can have this.
0: <laughs> so I'll wrap this up with something that the director of the Annabelle films, John Leonetti, said, which I think kind of sums up the entire phenomenon. As inanimate objects, they are just scary. If you think about them, most dolls are emulating a human figure, but they're missing one big thing, which is emotion. They're just shells. It's a natural and justifiable vehicle for demons to take over. When you look a doll in its eyes, it just stares. That's creepy they're hollow inside that space needs to be filled and while he's talking specifically about the idea that demons can fill them what about our own minds if you're looking at something that seems like it should have a personality and should be alive wouldn't it make sense for us to begin to imagine that something's in there or hope there is or maybe using our own energy accidentally put something in there for real all right, so that is why we're afraid of dolls, both the yep. science and the reality, oh, which gonna, is that they're haunted. You were going to show me that picture, weren't you? I'm I'm looking it up, and I've got some. I got to ask you questions. Okay. All right. Will the concept of the uncanny valley be on the test?
1: I think it would absolutely have to be. Well, if they were over the age of nine, if it's not, they just won't get it.
0: Will the fact that we start to realize something's not right at about 50% between alive and 50% not alive be on the test.
1: Yes. And I feel that's gonna get more and more important as like you know, movie budgets go up and special effects. Cause like in that Star Wars movie where they like reanimated Princess Leia, it's like, oh that's just not good.
0: Will the fact that, that wasn't we good at all. Will the fact that we did this to ourselves be on the test. Yeah. And will the fact that dolls are fucking haunted no matter what the science says be on the test?
1: No. Unless it was your class then yes. And
0: are you ready for a picture of Ruby the doll?
1: I guess. Oh, that's just unpleasant.
0: Where? Are... Oh, those are just, she's got little arms. Oh, God. Yeah, she's got little arms and like her legs are stump or they look like stumps. They might be really big feet. Yeah, I don't. Does I don't... she immediately make you feel anxious though? Because that's what she did to me. Yeah.
1: It might, part of it might be the lighting, because that is some like, And it could also be lighting. confirmation
0: bias, because I told you like that's how I felt. But something about her just upsets me.
1: Yeah. it's
0: And she doesn't have the scariest story out of all of them. I've looked at Robert no. the doll a billion times, and I'm like, what's up, Robert? I mean, don't come to my house or anything, but... yeah, Ugh. All right. So that is why we're afraid of dolls, and we are an hour in. Hey, but in fairness, we rambled on for a we while. We did
1: go ramble beginning. for a while. It's okay. Well, I got I've got a fun one this week.
0: Okay, it is Halloween. It is
1: Halloween. Halloween, and Halloween's a full moon this year. So,
0: any questions?
1: Obviously, I'm gonna talk to you about werewolves.
0: So, like Jacob from Twilight.
1: Exactly like Jacob from Twilight, running
0: around without his shirt on for no reason,
1: mm-hmm, just being like glistening and hot and. Abs everywhere. Dating werewolves. Taylor
0: Swift so that we had the case of the two Taylors and we couldn't think of a name to combine for them.
1: Tay Tay. And uh, he was on stage when Kanye West ran up and stole the mic from her and tried to say that Beyonce deserved this award. Rude. So rude. So you may think, why is he talking about this? This isn't something we really should have learned about in school.
0: I mean, there's a real disorder.
1: There's a real disorder, and it's actually closely related to a lot of stuff we did learn in school. Yeah. So uh, we're going to start off with uh, the word werewolf actually comes from the old English word werewolf, W-E-R-W-U-L-F, literally means man-wolf. Yep. And also the much more gender-inclusive term from the Greek lycanthrope, Mm -hmm. meaning wolf person. Mm -hmm. So, you know... Please be inclusive. Use lycanthrope. But I'm going to use werewolf because I'm lazy.
0: Actually, though, people who identify as werewolves do use lycanthrope. Interesting. Things (laughs) that I know that you probably might have come across in your research. Nope, did
1: not come across it. There are people
0: who identify as werewolves, people who identify- Oh, bumped it. People who identify as vampires. Yeah. They're actually safer to be around than most people, for the most part. Yeah,
1: so that's- You know, you know all that stuff. It's a person who turns into either a full wolf or a wolf-human hybrid under the light of the full moon- they are, depending on which folklore you're listening to, uh, weakened by wolvesbane and and can only be killed by silver, or wolvesbane is what makes them into werewolves, or silver kills them, or silver turns them back to a person. Or there's again, there's lots of cultures that have lots of variations on the werewolf, and uh, they fit in largely with the. Euro- but this is mostly from the European shapeshifter folklore of people becoming animals that we get our modern werewolf tales. You're smiling a lot.
0: I just, I love this kind of stuff. Like, I considered talking about skinwalkers this week because they're my, like, it's like Mothman and then skinwalkers for me. And also I'm pretty sure I've seen a skinwalker, so. So
1: uh, the first written account of a werewolf comes from ancient Rome from a uh, senator named Petronius, who Pliny the Elder wrote about. (laughs) Not Not because of him seeing a werewolf, but because um uh he basically ran afoul of Nero and Nero decided I'm gonna kill this guy and Petronius said well screw you you're not gonna get my good dishes and broke them all so the emperor could not enjoy them,
0: so basically we like I feel like every week from now on we need to figure out how Pliny the Elder shows up because he seems to more often than not especially oh, in yours no
1: it's like if have you ever. Seriously, he like has one of the largest surviving texts from ancient Rome.
0: So Pliny, do you have anything to say about haunted dolls cuz you I'm did sh- not come up in my research. Yeah. It's
1: he's he's just going to be there. He wrote most of the record we have. So we're just going to hear about him a lot. He was walking with a soldier late at night. We're talking
0: about Pliny or this other guy.
1: Oh, Petronius was okay. walking with a soldier late at night through a graveyard during a full moon. So that he could go to see his girlfriend. In the graveyard. Yep. As you do, you know, just walking through a graveyard in a full moon.
0: I mean, that's where you and I met.
1: Yeah, that's true. Graveyard, full moon, very romantic first date. Uh, Gentlemen, bring an extra shovel for your lady.
0: (laughs) So. You didn't need to. I was coming independently of you with my own shovel. We just met by coincidence, digging up the same grave. (sighs) We had our steaks and our silver and our garlic already.
1: Yeah. Oh, young love. (laughs) So uh this then while they were walking uh the soldier suddenly stopped stripped down and just peed all around his clothes rude very rude
0: like his own clothes
1: yeah like his own clothes he just stripped naked and just peed around his clothes
0: like a salt circle but yeah, with
1: pee what but with pee uh then he turned into a wolf howled and ran off into the woods
0: what was with the pee i don't know
1: um, oh, Petron- so he could
0: find his clothes again. Petronius
1: uh, was startled by this and tried to grab his clothes, but his clothing had turned into stone and he couldn't move it.
0: But yeah, the pee was so he could find his stuff again.
1: And it, or it turned him into stone.
0: Well, I mean, it probably turned him into stone so nobody would steal them.
1: Yeah, it's like if you're a werewolf. That's like the big problem we have with werewolves. It's like, where do you get pants? Because you've torn your pants. Well, like,
0: and if we think about Harry Potter and we've got Peter Pettigrew. When he turns it, oh, When he turns into a human from a rat, he's wearing clothes. But when he turns back into a rat from a human, he's his clothes are still on the ground. I don't
1: know. Maybe it's something he can choose to do.
0: Also, does that mean like at some point we had this like naked middle aged man just hanging out in all these young boys' rooms?
1: Oh God! You know that rat saw some things, some some things. So,
0: like Peter Pettigrew, maybe we can excuse a little bit of his mental state. Ugh.
1: So, uh, then Petronius. Ran to his girlfriend's house, very afraid. He was so startled that he was wildly swinging around his sword and attacking the darkness as he ran to his girlfriend's house. I'd do that. Yeah.
0: Like, you don't know where this thing is.
1: Yeah. When he arrived there, um, he, his girlfriend said that, that a wolf had uh, gotten into their sheep and had just made a bloody butcher's mess from the sheep. But, luckily, their slave had seen this happening and had stabbed the wolf in the neck and it ran off. The next day, while he was walking back, the clothes were gone and there was a pool of blood next to where they were. And when he got back to his house, the soldier was in bed and had a doctor looking at a wound on his neck.
0: That is an ethical question. Like, let's assume for a moment that werewolves are real, but for... Depending on the version of the lore, for all but one day or all but three days out of a month, they're just people trying to do their thing. Yeah. Like
1: Uh, we're going to get into some uh, major ethical questions in a minute. So uh, we all we we love you, Oz. Petronius uh, vowed to never eat with this guy again because he was very clearly a werewolf, and he swore every oath you could that this story was real. So there's like a there's a good chance it wasn't real.
0: I believe him. Yeah.
1: Um, so this, like, you know, we have literally thousands of years of werewolf stories, but, uh, in Europe during the late middle ages, when witch hunting and witch trials begin to spread rapidly, charges of lycanthropy and werewolfism were a big part of that too. Mm -hmm. So when we're learning about the witch trials, we should also be learning about the congruent werewolf trials.
0: Wait, are these separate things? I know there were things like she can turn into a cat.
1: Yeah. These were separate things where it's like, oh yeah, this not only like, yeah, this guy, he's not a witch, but he is a werewolf and we need to kill him.
0: There is some like fucking misogyny in this then. Because if those were guys that were being tried for being werewolves, but women who were tried for being witches, and we only learn about the ones that were women. Yeah. It's like saying that-
1: Oh, that's men and women were both charged, but- it's...
0: Like, and well, I mean, men were charged being witches too, Yeah, but it was it's... just like, there's a gender imbalance with, with the witches.
1: Charges of werewolves and lycanthropy were not just turning into animals, but it also included uh, wolf riding and wolf charming.
0: As in riding on a ro- wolf, not writing like a wolf would write?
1: Yep, riding on a wolf. Like, instead of you, instead of a horse, you've got a wolf, which wouldn't work because wolves aren't that big.
0: Well, are dire wolves still around at this point?
1: No, those went extinct thousands of thousands of years ago.
0: Because, I mean, pff, until you get to Skinwalker Ranch. Yeah. They're still there.
1: And even then, dire wolves weren't, like, big enough to ride. Like
0: People were smaller then.
1: Yeah, but even then, like, a wolf the size of a pony is a colossal fucking wolf.
0: Yeah, dire wolves were like yeah. that size.
1: So, yeah, uh, so yeah, wolf riding. And wolf charming. Just like, hey, wolf, how you doing? Need a drink? But we're cool with the Pied Piper. Well, hey, why don't you come get... Why, you want to come get a coffee with me later, wolf? That's... <laughs> How do you wolf charm? Is it like were you playing music for him? I don't know.
0: I think it's kind of like having a familiar. Maybe. And like we had d and D game where was it? My brother had a wolf familiar, or was it?
1: It was uh, one of your brother's friends. Uh-huh. He had a he had a he had a wolf. A wolf. A wolf. Yeah. <laughs> I had an owl bear, which is decidedly <laughs> that, that, better. That
0: game they went viciously mocked some boars or something. Yep.
1: Oh yeah, we, we did some crazy shit. Dungeons and Dragons is fun. Trust me. Yeah, it is. So uh, during the peak of the werewolf trials, there was one really famous, famous case in 1598. And not because like it was well known, but because it got spread through some pamphlets. And in the 1930s, a researcher found these pamphlets about that went into detail about this werewolf trial and published them as part of a book about werewolves that he wrote. So it's one of the better surviving accounts we have. So uh, the, it was the 1958 case of Peter Stump, the werewolf of Bedborg.
0: I know this, I think.
1: So we know practically nothing about Peter Stump. Um, it's like Stump might not even be his name. Mm-hmm. Um, by some accounts, he was missing his left hand and was simply called Stumpf, which is German for Stump as a nickname.
0: Yeah. When you said it, I was thinking it wasn't pronounced Peter. It was like a German or Russian or something. And... Yeah.
1: There's again, there's about a dozen variations of this guy's name. I'm just going to call him Stump because I'm mean.
0: <laughs> call him Fezzik. We got a cat a Stump.
1: I like, do you think, what, are you accusing Fezzik of being a werewolf? Yeah. Wow. I need to talk to him about his behavior. He could scoop his own litter box. <laughs> so uh, what we do know about him is he was a wealthy farmer. He was a widower. He had an about 15 year old daughter named, named Sybil. He had a mistress named, and I shit you not, Catherine or Katrina Trump. <laughs> and he had a son that we know nothing about.
0: His son was like, peace out, werewolf. Yeah.
1: And we also know that the village of Bedberg had, was terrorized for about 25 years. Uh, there was cattle mutilations, sheep were killed, children went missing and were eaten, pregnant women were killed, and their stomachs were ripped open, and mm-hmm. the babies were eaten.
0: Mmm, fetus. What, what, God, what is that movie you had to watch in Latin class? With the Chewy Fetus.
1: I, Claudius? Yeah. Yeah.
0: I never watched that. I just remember people walking into my forensics class afterwards and being like, Chewy Fetus.
1: Eventually, some hunters with dogs were able to pursue a wolf that they tracked for days and were hunting it. And when they finally cornered it and what they were about to you know finally attack what they thought was this wolf, they actually found Peter Stump. So Stump was tortured into a confession.
0: Yeah, like maybe he was out hunting the wolf too.
1: Yeah. So and what he cons- what he confessed was that he had conspired with the devil since he was 12 and he had the devil had given him a belt that let him turn into a wolf. Um, He also did not have the belt when they caught him, which, you know, might have been like a little bit of evidence that this was a lie. But, you know, this is 1598 and they weren't so big on evidence.
0: I mean, we still aren't. If they've confessed, they've confessed.
1: He w- he did all of the animal killings. Um, He committed dozens of murders. He even confessed to eating his own infant son.
0: But this is not the one we don't know anything about. Mm-hmm. This is the one that we apparently yeah, was This is a different one. And
1: he also was in an incestuous relationship with his daughter and with Katrina Trump, who was a distant relation, but close enough for it to still be considered incest.
0: And that, my friends, is how we got the Trump family with that unique face shape.
1: Maybe. So uh, he was put to death on October 31st, which, yay, Halloween. Um, his daughter and Katrina, Katrina Trump were also killed as his accomplices. Yeah. Um, I cannot stress this enough. He confessed under torture. Yes. So a lot of these stories you see where they're talking about this mass murderer werewolf he confessed under torture. This has about as much weight to it as all of the other witch trials and stuff at this time did, which was most likely it was lies.
0: Yeah. Like they should have listened to Giles Corey yeah. when he said more weight.
1: There's also another um part of this stump was Protestant. And uh, this area was had been going back and forth between a war between the Catholics and Protestants in this part of Germany. Or I guess it's that France-Germany border area that went back and forth. And uh, he was Protestant and this area was under Catholic control. And there might have been a religious reason for this, just getting rid of this wealthy Protestant farmer.
0: Shocked I never learned about this in Catholic school.
1: Yeah, I didn't learn about this either. This was just, this just came up. They didn't talk
0: about this in your Lutheran Sunday school classes. yeah. yeah that's we, uh, why the Catholics are the devil.
1: It's like we never murdered our werewolves. We had fair trials for werewolves. Actually, they didn't. We We murdered... brought
0: them into the basement and gave them weak coffee. <laughs> yeah, uh, no. I love me a good Lutheran like church basement event.
1: Okay, oh, yeah. also uh Lutherans also killed a fair number of witches and werewolves and too. Catholics. So, was, and Catholics. So this went this went back and forth. Over and all they think about 30,000 people were killed after being accused of lycanthropy or werewolfism. Now, there might be a few scientific explanations for this.
0: One is that they are Austin and therefore covered in hair. Yeah,
1: it was people who were just abnormally hairy from birth defects, the whole plethora of mental illnesses that come up. One interesting one is rabies. Mm-hmm. Because part of the werewolf mytho- mythos is you've been bitten by an animal, and you suddenly you start turning into a werewolf around the full moon, and the, the erratic and eccentric behavior, the madness, the frothing at the mouth, which were werewolf symptoms, match the symptoms of rabies.
0: Yeah, but if somebody's that far with their rabies anyway, there's nothing you can do, there's especially nothing, in the 1500s. There's,
1: not, there's, there's nothing you can do like, even oh, now. Oh, no, that's not true. Oh, they've changed that?
0: Um, If you get the rabies shot immediately after being bitten, you're probably going to be fine. Yep. And they have cured now at least one case of rabies a few years ago. Nice. Um, I believe more have happened since then, but they were actually able to reverse one a few years ago a teenage girl. Yeah.
1: And one of the other ones that also explains a lot is ergot poisoning, uh-huh. which uh, also is tied to witch hunts. Uh huh. And it was actually believed to be part of what was going on with the Salem witch trials.
0: Yeah, it's like in grain. And it's yeah. like what? It's not quite mold, but it's, it it's is, LSD.
1: Yeah, ergot is a parasitic fungus that grows on rye.
0: And it's LSD. And
1: Yeah, it is what LSD was first derived from. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, the reason is rye bread was cheap as compared to wheat bread. It kept well and was a staple for lowland peasants.
0: Do you think this is why I like rye bread with dill dip so much?
1: You just want the LSD. Just want
0: the LSD. That
1: explains so much. The symptoms... Of air gut poisoning are writhing, shaking, tremors, a loss of fine motor skills, rolling eyes, inability to speak, ferocious appetite, hallucinations, panic attacks, swelling, and feeling of ex- extreme hot and cold.
0: With the exception of the inability to speak, all of those are my everyday. <laughs> Maybe that's because you've eaten too much rye bread. I haven't had rye bread in a few years. I, yeah. Because it usually has barley in there and more yeah. that. So yeah, that's
1: which all of these were werewolf symptoms and if you saw that in someone occurring in someone, you could accuse accuse them of being a werewolf or if you saw it in yourself, you thought, "Oh my god, I'm a werewolf." And you start ergot poisoning was probably one of the like, like causes of werewolfism. And they even like in the 18th and 19th century, they thought, "Huh, I wonder if ergot was had something to do with all of these werewolf trials and cases." Oh well. <laughs> Luckily the witch craze the witch hunts and like you know people being accused of werewolves was largely over by that point.
0: Well, we can never admit we did something wrong.
1: Yeah. And this was again most rampant throughout
0: France. Sacre bleu.
1: Yeah. And you know for centuries uh serial killers and murderers have claimed to be werewolves. Most likely they were just mentally ill. Uh-huh. But I'm going to bring up one modern case. Of a werewolf because well, uh, Lorraine Ed and Lorraine Warren were involved and they are just kind of awesome and problematic.
0: Yes, um, we are going to not go into the things they have since been accused of for the purposes of this episode. Yeah, we are going to just focus on the work that they did
1: with werewolves. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, more importantly, it was a case of Bill Ramsey, the South End werewolf. Uh, they actually wrote a book about it called Werewolf. A True Story of Demonic Possession. Cool. Yeah. So the story boils down to uh, Bill Ramsey had been, since a child, he'd felt like animalistic urges, and he like was mostly able to suppress them. Until, as an adult, he just couldn't control them anymore and was getting increasingly violent and increasingly violent and was having more and more incidents. And the big incident was when he went and got a prostitute and then took her to the police station and said, I am a danger. You need to help me. And one police officer went in to, like, you know, do something else and, like, you know, get people. The other one stayed out with him when Bill Ramsey viciously attacked him and started choking him. The other officers came out and tried to pull him off. It took five people to get him off of this officer. Luckily, no one died.
0: It's actually amazing how often this not I me mean, it's not incredibly common, but it does happen where people go in to get help and say, like to a police station, say Hi, um, I'm having these dangerous things I want to do. Will someone help me? And they're like, yeah, right. You haven't actually committed a crime. Bye, buddy. Mm-hmm. And then that's when people get murdered.
1: Yeah. And the officers of said it's like he was like an animal. It's like there was no humanity in him while he was performing this attack. Yeah. And even when they had him in a cell, he was so ferociously trying to claw his way out of it. He managed to squeeze partway through the cell the, between the bars. And they had to sedate him and oil him up to get him back in the cell.
0: Poor guy. Like I'm assuming that there's a mental illness factor. Yeah. Um, here. No, they.
1: I mean, he said, this... or he's a
0: werewolf, and that's also sad. They
1: said, "Okay, this is the officer is like, this is clearly mental illness. This guy needs help, and they sent him to be evaluated, and they could find no signs of mental illness with this guy. Mm-hmm. And he was like, he'd been released. He's like, this, I'm what, still the a 70s. Da- yeah. It's like I'm still a danger. I don't know what to do.
0: And especially in a country where we have such shitty healthcare. Oh, he was in England. Oh." Even there, it's hard to get mental health treatment, especially yeah. in the 70s. So
1: he didn't know what to do. and But then Ed and Lorraine Warren heard about his case. And Ed Warren didn't want to take it because he said, "Uh, are we really going to get involved with werewolves? Aren't you worried that's going to hurt our credibility? And Lorraine said, no, no, this is a real case. We need to go do this. It's like, we investigate demons, motherfucker. So they, um, they contacted him. And he thought, well, werewolf, this is ridiculous. There's no fucking way I'm doing this. But eventually he gave in and said, all right, I'll come to America so you can exercise this demon out so of I'm me. I'm sorry, they're...
0: Let Ed and Lorraine aren't gonna to go to England. They're gonna put a werewolf on a plane who is known to be violent when in small spaces. Come on, guys. Yeah. It's like eh.
1: so the uh, the guy to come to America where they performed an exorcism on him. Um the the bishop performing it actually had four uh, sorry, five armed guards, all with stun guns, for in case this turned violent. And this is one of the few cases where they actually have still photos from the exorcism.
0: Oh, cool. I'll have to look at those.
1: Oh yeah. I mean they're they're pretty boring. <laughs> But his, this guy's face is horrifying. It's very animalistic.
0: How did he do afterwards?
1: In the resources I found, he was like, they had to, they'd done an interview with him three years afterwards, and he'd had none of these, like, tendencies or urges since the exorcism.
0: This is actually an exhibited, scientifically documented phenomenon where uh, exorcisms have been proven, even in cases where they do believe it was mental illness and not possession, to uh, mitigate the, you because you believe.
1: Yeah. They believe that he was being possessed by a wolf demon. So, yeah. I mean, if
0: it works, it works. It works.
1: You know, I'm not going to... So yeah, that was that was my little look into werewolves. All right. Because, you know, full moon's coming up.
0: Howls. Halloween is coming Howl-o-ween. up.
1: Howloween. Ooh. It's also a blue moon because it's the second full moon this month.
0: And it will see you when you're standing alone.
1: Without a dream in your heart.
0: Without a love of your own. Oh, 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 oh. So... Unless you want to be caught, don't go out on the night of the blue moon because it sees you and it's waiting.
1: Oh, great. You just made that song creepy. You made Babe creepy. I hope you're proud of yourself. That song is creepy. All I can think about when I hear about that song is the little mice singing it in Babe. Okay, that might be creepy. (laughs) So are you ready for some questions? Yes. Okay. Will the petrifying properties of werewolf pee be on the test? No. Will Wolf Charming be on the test?
0: In a world where we're teaching this, yes.
1: Will the dangers of rye bread be on the test?
0: Actually, I think that did come up during my Salem witch trials very briefly. Ooh, neat. And During my studies of them, not the time I was accused of witchcraft in Salem. In You don't talk
1: about your time in Boston often. How often were you accused of being a witch?
0: None in this century.
1: And to that, I just say, she's not a witch, she's my wife. This and time. Will wolf demon possession be on the test? No. Yeah, so that was that was my little thing on werewolves. Happy Halloween!
0: Happy Halloween! So we now know why we should be afraid of dolls, or why we shouldn't, depending on how you feel like interpreting my stuff, and the history of lycanthropy.
1: Which really should have come up when they talked about, like, you know, the witch trials and witch
0: hunts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: Because that was a part of it.
0: And, you know, we should, we should learn about why we're afraid of the things we're afraid of, and try to rationalize... Our way past it, or just be afraid of dolls, because it's the right thing to do. Yeah,
1: I'm fine with being afraid of dolls.
0: Our house is set up for Halloween, and we have dolls looking out the windows. (laughs) Because there's nothing scarier than a doll. And also, what else are we going to do with them, because they're haunted?
1: Give them to babies.
0: (laughs) So, if you are looking for us, our address...
1: (laughs) If you are looking for us, good luck. We're in hiding.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's actually relatively accurate. We have not... Other than when we had to, left the house in about 235 days at this point.
1: I go to work and like occasionally to a store to buy essential items.
0: I go on walks. But the nice thing is uh, the nursing home no longer feels haunted. So I'm good with that. I mean, I'm sure it is, but it's not scared anymore. Speaking of Halloween and things that are... My neighborhood is creepy. Um, we can be found at onthetestpod.com or on a variety of social media sites, such as
1: Twitter at onthetestpod, Instagram at onthetestpod, and Facebook at facebook.com slash onthetestpod.
0: We are on Apple, Spotify, Google Play. We are now on Amazon Podcasts, I think. And basically, if you're hearing us right now, either we're in your heads and- you should be a, fri- a, a frightened.
1: <laughs> you should be afraid.
0: <laughs> or you are listening to us through a podcast app on which we are available. Tell your friends. Give us some reviews. Guys, we still are at nine reviews and it has been months. So either you're listening to us and not reviewing us if you're going to be mean, which is sad, or you're just not reviewing, which is sad too. Although I read that Apple's thinking about getting rid of that whole thing because it's been shown that like it hurts people, but it doesn't really help anybody.
1: Interesting. So they're just gatekeeping. It's like you've got. It's like oh, you've got to have a lot of friends if you want to be a good of yeah. Wow. Well,
0: also like, have you ever just discovered a like podcast and read the reviews, or do you wait for someone to recommend it, or like?
1: Usually, I wait for someone to recommend it, or I'll hear about it on another podcast I'm listening to. Yeah,
0: and it's like, or I'll just go like podcast. Like Himalaya is a good one for this. Like I look for a topic and podcast pop up on that topic. I don't read the reviews if I don't like it. I just go away and yeah. I don't review. If I like it, I leave a review. Yeah. So, yeah, but leave us a review. <laughs> and,
1: if, and if you really want to, just like, you know, hop on Twitter or whatever your media of choices or go to a website. Just, like, send us a message about any topics you want covered, any corrections you think you need to make, or just general feedback. Because, you know, we are insecure millennials and we want that.
0: And definitely please tell us about your haunted dolls. Yes. Or anything else that's haunted in your life. Yeah, but it's,
1: it's spooky season. We can still talk about crazy stuff even afterwards.
0: We can talk about this all year round. Because it's never not spooky season in my heart.
1: Yeah, it is always Halloween in our hearts. And on that Most, note. Oh, mostly because our hearts are chocked full of candy.
0: Austin only got enough candy for trick-or-treaters.
1: I have 30 full-size candy bars. We get like three trick-or-treaters. If we, I don't think
0: we'll get any this year. Yeah. But you got 30 full-size candy bars when I work from home. <laughs> oh, no. All I want is to eat the candy, Austin. In fact... <laughs> I'm going to go eat all those candy bars right now. You watch me. I would be so
1: impressed if you ate 30 candy bars. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We'll get back to you about if she could do it. And I guess on this note, class Class dismissed. dismissed.